when they're frustrated, they start building it because they need it. And so nobody has it, so they build it. And I love this creativity because it's part science. You have to understand and to tinker and to get the numbers right. But it's part art because it's it's really your your emotion, your passion that moves this forward. So what I love about business is it solves real problems in the world. And the people who do it are fascinating people. And we are just 2% of the world population. So uh, we are strange guys and girls, and we need to stick together and help each other. And that's what I love. I love solving problems, uh, making the world a better place. And this is what entrepreneurs do. That's why I hang out with them since 20 years, every day. How do you get 10,000 people to take a step to the left? What's behind the relentless mindset of a world champion? Why do teams of exceptional talent fail? How do you manage the pressure to perform? These are some of the curious questions we will attempt to answer as we bring you world leaders, curious minds, exceptional talent, successful CEOs, and incredible human beings who know how to inspire great leaders and are inspiring great leaders themselves. I am Craig Johns, high performance leadership expert, international speaker, and CEO of Speakers Institute Corporate and World Sport Coach. This is the Inspiring Great Leaders podcast where the ordinary don't belong. Welcome to the Inspiring Great Leaders podcast. And today we take a look into scaling digital businesses and how strategy sprints can accelerate growth for an agile business. Our guest is the CEO of Strategy Sprints where they help entrepreneurs scale their online business to secure business resilience and repeatable revenues. Here's the author of the upcoming book, Strategy Sprints and Habits of Success writes for Forbes and Entrepreneur Magazines about scaling digital businesses, and is a member of Silicon Valley Blockchain Society. From Rome, Italy, where he was born, he has gone on to move around the world and has studied philosophy and psychology at the University of Vienna and innovation of products and services at MIT Sloan School of Management. It's a pleasure to introduce to you the host of the Strategy Sprints podcast, a keynote speaker in agile strategy and sales, TEDx speaker and leader of a global team of coaches, Simon Severino. Simon, welcome to the show. Hello, everybody. Thank you for having me. Ah, it's, a, it's a real pleasure. And it's great to be talking with someone halfway across the world today. I'd like to kick off. What fascinates you about business? To me, it's the creative side. You know, entrepreneurs are forces of nature. They create something out of nothing and they find problems in the world. They are frustrated by something like, why do I have to wait so long for something? Or why does this take three weeks and four sign-offs? And, and when they're frustrated, they start building it because they need it. And so nobody has it, so they build it. 
And I love this creativity because it's part science. You have to understand and to tinker and to get the numbers right. But it's part art because it's, it's really your, your emotion, your passion that moves this forward. So what I love about business is it solves real problems in the world. And the people who do it are fascinating people. And we are just 2% of the world population. So uh, we are strange guys and gals, and we need to stick together and help each other. And that's what I love. I love solving problems, uh, making the world a better place. And this is what entrepreneurs do. That's why I hang out with them since 20 years every day. Yeah, beautiful. I love it. I love it. So, so I'd like to go back in time here a little bit. You know, when you were a child, were you the curious type? Were you kind of the impatient one that, that wanted to solve problems quickly? Or were you someone a little bit different? Tell us about growing up in Italy. I always wanted to be a, a scienziato pazzo. That's a, a, a crazy scientist. Somebody who who explores things at the edge of, of how you do things. So an explorer, an adventurer, that's what I wanted to be uh, as a kid, a, a, yeah, an adventurer and explorer. And this is what I still am. I love exploration. I love adventures. And right now, for example, the big adventure is definitely the three big technologies that are coming up, uh, AI, robotics, blockchain, Blockchain alone keeps me busy two hours per day. I do daily YouTube videos about what's going on there. That's adventure and exploration life. And that's what I was as a kid. I would prefer to run into woods and, and find out what's, what's on the other side uh, than to, I don't know, than to play cards or whatever um, normal people would do. <laughs> I, I would love explorations. And was there someone, was there like a role model for you or someone you looked up to during your formative years that kind of inspired you about the adventure and curiosity and kind of crazy thinking outside the box? Yes, uh, one was Socrates and one was Friedrich Nietzsche. These guys, they were doing exactly that. They were just thinking to the truth, going through the bus in my in my in my world it was through the woods and they would go through whatever society thinks let me cut through it and go directly to the truth this is what socrates did with his dialogues he would just talk to people uh and then nietzsche was completely alone and was just writing but he was writing like he was talking to me the first page of 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 the first book of friedrich nietzsche that i read was saying this book is not for everyone I was, oh, he's talking to me, he's talking to me. And then the next sentence was, um, what if we could go directly to the truth and cut the rest? And I was like, oh, yeah, 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 let's do it. Let's do it. Let's go onto this adventure. So these have been definitely people who inspired me and then musicians uh, of the time. Mm, I like that. Musicians, you know, kind of give us an insight into kind of your way of thinking, you know, is there you know, maybe one or two musicians that have really kind of speak to your soul and, and, and spark your curiosity? Yeah, definitely. And again, it were people, people trying to break through. 
for example, Jim Morrison, Jim Morrison. And there is a specifically a, a song, Break On Through to the Other Side, that really, really got me a lot and was speaking to me. And the other one was Bob Dylan. Bob Dylan was long before, I'm, I'm born 1980, so that was before my time. But he was still speaking to me because same thing. He was a nerd trying to get through through the cut through the noise and and get to the truth in his own way and so these people spoke to me yeah mm, some of the most incredible lyrics ever written uh, in the music world so yeah really interesting there and for you you know when you you went through your high school and university did you come out of university go straight into the entrepreneurship world or or did you go into big corporate first you know what was that kind of first job or first set of jobs so i went through the traditional um, management consulting career junior consultant consultant senior consultant junior project manager project manager senior project manager principal <laughs> the the classic career the only thing that i did was i speeded it up because i'm a sprinter so I just did it faster. And then as soon as I, I had enough um, knowledge about the craft, how to do a go-to-market strategy plan and how to execute a go-to-market strategy plan in first one countries and then roll it out in more countries, then I knew, okay, now I can do it. Now uh, let's find a way to do it um, uh, that is more authentic to how i do it let's let's create a first small consultancy where i can help people in what i am best and that is go to market really help them bring in more oxygen into the system and the oxygen is revenue and then so how can we create reliable revenue systems that has become my passion and over the last 17 years i have only done that, helping people create revenue systems that work in whatever weather condition, in whatever uncertain situation, but they are repeatable, they are reliable, and and you have good cash flows and you know how to manage them. And so for you, what, what do you uh, think are like the key ingredients when you're looking at you know those these revenue streams and being sustainable uh, long term? The first thing is that you need three strategies. One is the, a conversion rate that you can increase by 25%. And this is what we do when we work with clients. We help them in 90 days increase their revenue by 99% by increasing three things by 25% because they compound. And the three things are the frequency of the sales, the conversion rate of the sales, and the, and the price. So if you raise these three things by 25%, you are raising revenue by 99%. And this is what we want our people to achieve in the first 90 days, because that brings more oxygen in the system. And now you have more time and more budget to really work on the form, fit, and function of your core systems, form, fit, and function of your sales system, form, fit, and function of your marketing system, form, fit, and function of your operations. But the two problems usually are first, that 
executive team doesn't have time to work on the business because they are sucked in in the business. So we have to free up their time in month one. And then in month two, with that 10 to 14 hours per week per executive that we are able to free up, then we go and work on form, fit, and function of the sales system. And this is really three strategies, increase frequency, increase conversion rate, increase price. How can you increase the frequency? The frequency you increase by shortening the sales time, the time from awareness to closing. In B2B, that can be 18 months, can be 13 months. We want to short, shorten that to three weeks, four weeks, five weeks. And we have tools for that. We have 274 tools and templates ready in the Sprint University for our clients. And so we drastically reduce that sales time, which means same amount of conversation, but you close faster. And in the old world, you would need like nine contact points, nine lunches with people, and you have to fly there, etc. And that's why it, it takes 18 months to close a big B2B deal. But in the world that we live now with Zoom, we have templates so that you can create 13 contact points in two weeks and close in 14 days from awareness to closing with the right tools and with the right swipes. And that's one exciting thing to build. We call it the RBS, the Relationship Building Sequence. And, and if you go onto our website, you can study ours. If you go onto our website, strategiesprints.com, and if you click anything, then you will experience that, that um, RBS, the Relationship Building Sequence. So in the next 12 days, you will have the chance to interact with us for 13 times. And, and we, we will start a conversation. And that's what a marketing system needs to do. And this is where it moves then over to a sales system, because if you had 13 contact points and you, you got value in all of these points, now you want more. Now you search for, okay, how can we talk? And this is where marketing hands over to sales. So if you create a repeatable system where this works, even when you are on holidays, now you have repeatable revenue system number one. And this is when you move from having a job to having a business. Now with this repeatable system, you can stack the second one. The second one is the conversion rates. So of, okay, you are having now conversations per week. Let's say you have two sales conversations per week. They hop on your calendar and you have two per day. Two per day, two people per day want to work with you. So in five days, you have 10 per week, 10 people who want to work with you and they are on your calendar. How many do you close? Two, three, four of these 10? We get the recordings. We, our clients, they record their sales calls and then they upload them in, in, our, in our project management space that we have with them. Um, basically, they, they upload it and we give them exact feedback on their sales technique. Look. At the beginning, you did this. Look at their body language, how they reacted. You lost them here. Look in the middle, what happened here. And look at the end. That's why you didn't close it. And so we improve their sales technique. And sometimes we have to go back to the sales script and improve also like the offer and the pricing. But sales technique, that's your second system, the conversion system. You get the conversion up by 25%. And then the third part is the pricing and the packaging, which 
also most of the people need improvements on. And usually when we see an offer, we see immediately two, three acupuncture points where we can improve the offer. And, and there are eight things to do and eight uh, templates and blueprints that we have. And when they use these blueprints, they can increase on average by 25% the price and get still the right people closed. And now you have three times plus 25, which makes in this case plus 99 because it compounds. And so when you're talking about the B2B here, are you, is it only specific types of businesses? Is it any business? Um, you know, how does that work for people listening? Yeah, this is only for B2B businesses because they have usually so long sales cycles and they have a high ticket offer and an expensive offer and they don't need thousands of clients per year. They're happy with a hundred clients per year. So we work only with B2B businesses, both software, B2B software builders and uh, professional services, consultancies, marketing agencies, uh, advisors that have a few clients, but high, high ticket, high touch. This is built for them, for the B2B sales situation. Yeah, okay. Yeah, great. And, and you talk about, you know, in, in some of your work there around business resilience. You know, what, what is business resilience to you and, and how, why is it so important for um, the entrepreneurs and uh, people working in, in kind of that, that digital business space? Yeah, look at what's going on. If you just reflect this past year and the rate of change and, uh, and our own systems and how they were able to see what's coming and to react to what's coming, that's why it's so important. Uh, I have a daily habit, weekly habit and monthly habit. And we have this in our whole team and that makes the whole company. And we all apply this daily habit, weekly habit, monthly habit, because without that, we, we would have no chance of surviving the next year. If you see the rate of change right now, what was done by JP Morgan in three weeks is right now done by Uniswap and SushiSwap and MakerDAO and Curve Finance in three seconds. That's the market situation. We have such an a technological evolution at such a rapid pace and that's outside of our organization so we need inside of our organization something that can relate to that that doesn't lose touch to that how can we do it it's the daily weekly and monthly habit the daily habit is how do we allocate our time i write down every day how am i going to spend the time tomorrow and then tomorrow when I come to my desk, that's exactly my plan and I do it. And then at the end of the day, before I close down the computer and move to, to my private life, I reflect five minutes on two questions. And so this template, the daily flow template that people can download, uh, I asks me two questions. One is, of all the things that you did today, Simon, which one should tomorrow do somebody else better than you. And, and then I write down stuff that takes my energy, stuff that is low leverage. And then the second question is, Simon, if you would live more freely and more intentionally, what would you do? 
And then I write down, oh, I always wanted to write a book. So these are the two reflective questions and that's my daily habit. Now, after this five minutes uh, reflecting, now I write down the flow of tomorrow. So this is what I'm gonna do at six and seven and eight and nine and 10 and 11. And now I have designed a flow tomorrow that has the high priorities, that has all my needs. There is me time in there. There is workout in there. There is uh, friends time and family time and playing with my kids. And there is serving my team, serving clients and uh, serving the mission. And now I have a flow of the day. That's my daily habit. And it's important because this is the basis for you to identify what takes energy and what is low leverage because you will have to delegate, automate, cut, or outsource all of these things one by one. Otherwise, you cannot scale your business. You will be the obstacle to your business growth if you don't do it. Yeah, very That's good. a daily habit. Yeah, good. And it kind of reminds me, you know, I have a, a philosophy that I make myself redundant every three months. So how can we create something, um, create the processes around it, train someone else, empower them, so then you can move on to the next thing. Uh, so yeah, it's really, really good to hear that. So you talk about daily habit there. So what's the difference between what you would do a monthly habit or, or a year, yearly habit? How does that work? Yeah, that's the daily habit. How do we allocate our time? Then there is the weekly habit, which is, are we moving at the right, in the right direction, at the right pace? And what's coming? So this is the resilience part and the seeing what's coming part, knowing early what's coming. How do you know if you don't get real-time numbers, a few numbers, but the right numbers that tell you these three things? How is marketing doing? How is sales doing? How is operations doing? Marketing numbers. For example, how many people were on our website today? How many want to buy from us? How many did jump on our, on our calendar? Three numbers, but you need them in real time right now. It's like Angry Birds. When you were playing Angry Birds, you shoot the bird and it says 500 points. And then you shoot the bird and it says 700 points. What do you want to do next? Exactly. And if, they, if you shoot the bird and it says, in three weeks, you will get a report from our system. Doesn't work. It breaks the flow. It's, it's, it's not how we humans are programmed. But there are people who get their marketing numbers every month or every quarter. And they don't even know what's happening. They don't even know how many people were on the website today and how many people uh, want, want work from us. They don't even know it, but that's the reality. That's the only important thing to know in the marketing department. Then the next is sales numbers. So how many people did jump on your calendar? How many did you close? How many follow-ups did you do? Because the magic is in the follow-up. The cash is in the follow-up uh, for sales. So sometimes we have to teach that, but we help them implement these core three numbers and you get them every week. And now you are learning and now you are systemizing because whatever a slightly improvement is, being it, it's 0.2% 0, 0 down than usual. Oh, let's learn from it. What's going on? 
So you see the signals early and you are not surprised four months later. Oh, we didn't know that it is coming because you can know what's coming if you look at it. So every Friday we come together and I get all these numbers, the marketing numbers, the sales numbers and the operations numbers reported. And I know exactly what's working and I know exactly what's not working. And I say, oh, why is 0.2% down on our website speed? And then they say, oh, let's talk to the website agency. Maybe they have changed the images and they have forgotten to compress them. All right. So 10 minutes later, we have found it. Without that, it takes you months and you know too late what's going on. That's a small example, but we have bigger examples. Like you would see if there is a supply chain problem coming and you would see it early and not one month later when you cannot change anything. This is why it's important to have real-time numbers. And that's the weekly habit. Weekly habit, get all the numbers, simple, fresh, and real-time. Love it. And so many who are listening right now, they don't have this dashboard. Oh, I'm sure they don't. And it's so important. Like it reminds me of me when I was in, you know, being an elite athlete, you are recording real-time numbers, you are reviewing it daily, you are updating it, you know, you're forward planning, you're in advance and, and medium term and short term, and you're able to adjust when things aren't quite right. All right, well, my resting heart rate's high today. So that means I'm not recovered well enough. So let's adjust the program so that I can keep increasing my performance. Uh, so yeah, it's great to, to see that model in play. I love it that you bring in the athletes because that was exactly what, what made it clear for me what I have to build. So I had this model, traditional management consultants. I would fly to your city and then we would have a workshop and then I would fly back and you would see me one month later, which is a completely broken situation because you need help right now, not in three weeks when we have workshop. So, and at the same time, I was training for a triathlon and I had a triathlon coach and we would have a spreadsheet together and both have access. And then sometimes we would call each other and he would say, I got your Garmin data. I got your spreadsheet. You are training wrong, Simon. You are running too fast. You are not doing enough weights. Uh, you are doing just what's fun. You are not doing what your plan says. <laughs> and so that was perfect because it was numeric. It was real time. He was getting it and he could intervene immediately and say, this is not on track. Let's bring this on track. And sometimes we would train together for an hour, but it was real time. He had the numbers. I had the numbers, uh, Garmin and a spreadsheet, and we had everything together. And I was like, wait a moment. This is what entrepreneurs need. This is exactly what they need. Somebody on their phone, on some days, they need six-time decision support, but quick. Now I need to decide. Help me decide. And then for three days, they need nothing. But the, the workshop model is broken. They don't need eight hours of decision support. Nobody needs that. They need now 10 minutes and then tomorrow 20 minutes at their time in that moment when they need it. And then for, for a week, they need nothing. But that was my model. So, you know, uh, Spider-Man, the new Spider-Man movie where he's so young and, and super excited and always in action. And then he has his friend that he can ask, oh, my God, oh, my God, should I kick the left door or the right door? So in, in his ear, he's asking his friend and his friend is on the computer and he says, give me a second. And then he comes back and says, uh, kick the left door. 
because uh, behind the right door, there is a cactus. So this is what entrepreneurs need. Somebody on the other side uh, for decision support, quick and, and uh, right now when you need it. So that was the model. And it was really inspired by, by my sportive activities. Very good. So, so I'm just going to I delve a little bit into the client here. You know, when, we're, when, you, when you're looking at how we can do things at speed, but how do we really identify what is a successful high value client versus um, just a good client or a poor client? It's really important that you set up your, your set of criteria. And we say you need at least five, five levels segmentation. So for example, if you think back the last three months, which client was most fun to work with, had more impact in his life and business, what you did changed his business and life for the better most, and uh, who told his friends the most that, about your offers. With these three questions, you go through your last 20 clients and, and you will identify one or two. And then extrapolate the, the five levels criteria. And five levels can be, for example, okay, they run a business, they are 35, they are male, they are also marathon runners, and um, they, they prefer uh, spreadsheets to music, for example. And you have your five criteria. Now you have a so-called client avatar or an ideal client set of criteria. And with that one, you create a filtering system that is between your marketing system and your sales system. You need a filter system that qualifies out people who are not this kind of people and qualifies in the people who are this kind of people. You can ask these simple five questions uh, and, uh, and only the, the people who pass uh, they, they can hop on your call, for example. But it's really important that you think about your ideal clients because for me, the biggest change was when I retired from projects and clients and colleagues that were low energy. So in the relationship between you and them, you feel if the energy goes up or down. If it goes down, they're probably not your ideal client. And if it goes up, try to find out what is it specifically that creates this upward energy over time. And that will help you identify your five criteria. But it's important that you have them and your whole team is clear about them. I like this. I talk a lot about energy management and to me, leadership and uh, you know, leadership and, and running high-performing teams is all about energy management, and, and so I, I really like your spin on this around. You know, what, what you know, when you're looking at high-value clients, what lowers your energy or what increases your energy? So it's, it's a really neat way to look at it. Uh, yeah, really, really like that aspect. Um, talked a little bit about relationships early on, and obviously, if you're speeding up the process, you know, 13, 14 days, etc., to you know, or, or lock and bring in a client. Um, you know, being able to get their trust to get them to buy something from you or, or partner or whatever it may be. In that sh 
short amount of time, what are some key things to make sure you build a strong connection in a relationship with, from a B2B perspective? For me, one of the main questions is curiosity. Am I curious to know more? Am I really curious? Do I really want to know more about them? Because I really care and I want to help them take the right decision. And the right decision doesn't mean pushing my product onto them, right? It's really being genuinely curious and receptive. And I want to know more about you. Tell me, no, tell me more about you. So the strongest weapons in, in life and in business are questions. Have a set of questions, of powerful questions that, that you are genuinely, genuinely really really interested about asking and ask all the time ask the more the better at some point if you are the expert in this conversation they will ask you how do you see it and this is now when you have the permission to start teaching so you go from listening now to intentionally teaching commercial teaching let's call it commercial teaching because if you are the expert if you are 20 years immersed in that field, then you know something that they don't know. Tell them. So phase two is you become the teacher. You say, you know what? This is the trend coming. Robotics, AI, and blockchain are doing this. For, for your industry, this means that you will have a stronger fluctuation. You will have less people who want to move into the office and do this. You, want to, you will have more people who want to do this from home. That means you have to change your onboarding, your culture, and your performance review systems. Oh, yeah. You understand my situation. I feel hurt. I feel seen right now. This is phase two. And then phase three is when you say, all right, and this is what you can do. And this is where we can bring you together. And if we team up, this is what we can achieve together. We have both the risk and we have both the goal of getting there. That would be a nice flow of an overall sales conversation from listening to teaching to becoming partners. Mm. Yeah, really nice flow, which is, which is fantastic. Now, I want to kind of move away from business here a little bit in kind of the, the strategy sprint sense to look at uh, your blockchain kind of world that you're, you're working in, you know, you're a member of Silicon Valley Blockchain Society. Uh, you, you talked about earlier around being curious in this space. What do you, you know, if, what do you see kind of in the next few years of how this space is going to shift and become more a mainstream part of what we're doing in life? We are in the middle of the biggest transformation we have ever experienced in our lifetime. People like Jack Dorsey, the former head of Twitter and now head of former Square, which is now Block, uh, he says, the blockchain technology is the one thing that I will devote my whole, the rest of my life to because it is the, the most relevant thing happening on the planet. And I agree totally. And um, it, I was just seeing it from the far and then I just tipped one finger into it and now I am fully immersed. 
And um, I do every day on YouTube, my, my YouTube channel uh, has a daily video on what's going on in blockchain. And uh, it's called Simon Severino for the people who like YouTube. Uh, and um, it's the biggest transformation. Everything will move onto the blockchain. If you remember the internet when it came, I'm old enough that I, I, I remember the beginning of the internet and it took 20 years for the internet to become a reality, a mainstream reality. And at the beginning it was like, oh, you can have an email address. No, I don't need an email address. What do I do with an email address? And then, oh, you can have a domain. Oh, what is a domain? Nobody needs a domain. And then later uh, everybody had a domain, right? And the same thing is happening right now. And we are at, in the second year of these 20 years that it took from the internet. And the same thing is happening in the blockchain world. And it's super exciting because there is wealth created in, in a scale that is unimaginable. We are 10xing uh, our, our capital in, in a couple months in a regular basis. The people in our community that are investing in it. And, um, and it's exciting how many cool projects, distributed projects, not centralized projects, but distributed projects. Projects that are like Wikipedia, where people, you don't have employees and you don't need a CEO. You have just passionate people who come up with solutions, who improve the system, maintain the system, move the system forward every day without being paid. And the same thing is happening right now in the blockchain. And there are every day, there are 100 new projects. And I report about that the one or two that I find most interesting. Uh, I report about them in, on my YouTube channel. Mm. Yeah, fascinating. And, you know, for you, what have you seen so far that has like a, a project that really stands out and it kind of caught you by surprise and went, wow, it was able to do that. That's fascinating. We have clients who are entrepreneurs and they happen to be a woman in a country that doesn't give them uh, access to, to a bank account. So that they, they cannot have employees and pay their employees payroll in their country because they are not allowed to. And now you are in Australia, I'm in Europe. This is far away from Europe and from Australia, but the world is not just Europe and Australia. The world is many, many countries with unbanked people, and for them it's changing the world, with um, uh, people who have a gender that uh, excludes them from participating in the global economy. Now, these women entrepreneurs in these countries, they can now pay payroll, and not just every month, but every week or every day or every hour, and they use Bitcoin for that. Then we have in Turkey, you have right now inflation rate so high that many people are trying to escape the country and, and and the lucky ones escape the country with bitcoin in their wallet because it's the only way you can take your wealth when you change when you migrate the only way you can take your wealth with you right now is if you have it on into on your digital wallet so it's really changing uh macro economy but but it's it's you know the change comes not from crypto the change comes from the debt the debt market and the debt market is really the driver of the economy and the debt market drives then the, sec the, the next biggest markets, uh, the equities market and the currencies. And what happens there creates a ton of problems 
And now the blockchain is one solution to, to many of these problems that we have right now. And that's why people are so passionate about it and they jump into it. And uh, there are hundreds of projects that are interesting to watch right now. And, you know, when obviously when we're hearing, uh, you know, quite a bit of talk at the moment around governments coming in and regulating cryptocurrencies, etc. Do you, th what, what do you think that could potentially do to, to the industry? Is it going to accelerate it? Is it going to see a bit of stabilization for a while? Is it going to see it drop? What, what do you think might happen uh, when they come in and regulate things? Yeah, I've been watching the Fed uh, right now and uh, I've, I'm, I'm observing the regulation, a good regulation will bring order and, um, and health into the system. So regulation is needed and regulation will be a positive catalyst if it's done with, with the right intention. So Bitcoin is already regulated. It's regulated as a commodity, which it should be, not as an equity. So it's property and it's regulated like a commodity. And the SEC is now looking for the, the equities uh, markets like Ethereum, et cetera, will be regulated as, as a payment provider, like a bank. So, uh, because it is, it is the bank of the future, right? So you have the whole decentralized finance space that will be regulated as a bank. And then you have, you will have a, a very positive um, competition between banks that are uh, traditional, that are um, digital and there are, that are fully distributed and the market will vote. The people will vote what works best for them. They will vote with, with their phone, with what they use. And, and this is, this is, have always been the case in history. You had always payment system picked by the people, by the markets, and you always had payment currencies and system picked by governments, the so-called fiat, by decreed. And, um, and that's, that's how the evolution goes. Uh, the strongest have always been the ones picked by the people. And so on the long term, these will be the ones that, that survive. Mm. Yeah, cool. It's a fascinating world and it's, it's amazing what possibilities have opened up because of blockchain technology. And, and I've got a few friends that uh, have been kind of at the forefront of developing stuff in that space. Uh, and it's really, really interesting. Now, you, you've got a new book, um, The Strategy Sprints. Tell us a little bit about what people can expect from that book and, and why it might interest them. Yes, Strategy Sprints is really my last 17 years of, of helping people do go to market. And, and that means really solving the tough problems like how do we market? How do we sell? How do we onboard? How do we hire? How do we fire? All the good stuff that you have to do when you lead a company. And now the outside is absolutely confusing. You don't have the right data. You don't have the right numbers. And it's changing all the time. So what can you do on the inside? What are the, the few things that are in your control? And every chapter is about one of these. So chapter one is about how you market. And it, it has all the blueprints and checklists that have helped me and, and our clients in, in, in many time zones. And so whatever has worked for more than a couple of years in different industries 
has become part of our tool set. And this book is where I share the whole tool set, 12 chapters about the 12 hard things to solve when you run a business. And I'm pretty proud. Yeah, the publisher is really happy and the, the endorsements are amazing. And the, the foreword was written by somebody who was a Strategy Sprints client and has then become a friend and has now written the foreword. And he himself, he is, he's a big B2B uh, guru. It's Anthony Yanarino, who is an amazing uh, sales uh, thinker and doer. So yeah, it's a pretty cool book. Strategy Sprints and can be purchased everywhere where you buy books. Yeah, brilliant. You know, we, we all know smart people have great answers, but the most successful people in the world ask great questions. And you talked about curiosity a bit earlier. When was the last time you did something for the first time? Every day. Every day. My, my favorite book is Zen Mind, Beginner's Mind, because it's just basically about, hey, do stuff for the first time. It's the best thing. And you are fresh and you're curious and you are highly energetic. So yesterday, for the first time, I had a live YouTube Q&A with 50 people from Australia asking me questions about crypto. Never did that. I'm in Austria. That's so far away. So I did it for the first time and it was amazing. It was exciting. I, I felt like a rock star. It was really cool. Yeah. And it was the first time. So I was wondering where to push which buttons and I was learning, learning it while I was doing it. It was very authentic. It was explorative. So it fits my style. It was very authentic and um, they were absolutely excited and they loved it. And they said, wow, this was so helpful. Let's do more of this. And it was the first time for me. Yeah, I like it. For you, what is the one question that you would love to solve? The climate change problem. How do we, how do we find a way of living that is sustainable for the next 10 generations? Great question. Great question. For you, what is an inspiring great leader and who is a great example of this in the world right now? So I ask myself every day three questions in my three roles. I'm a father, I'm a CEO, and I'm an, an athlete. So I ask myself, what would the best CEO do? Uh, and for me, the best CEO, my, uh, my picture is Satguru, who is a yogi who runs a global uh, volunteers organization and millions of people are working without getting paid one cent by him because of the way he leads. He leads by purpose and by mission and by governance and not by micromanagement. So that's for me, he's, he's my example of the best CEO. And then the second question is now, what would the best father do in this moment? And for me, my example is Keith Johnston, who invented uh, improv theater. His question was, why do people love watching soccer games? It's highly emotional. They love it. And they hate sitting in, in an opera house listening to Verdi. They, they fall asleep. How is that possible? And so he completely reinvented the way theater happens, much more alive, much more real, much more interesting. 
And then, and so that's how I want to be as a father. And then the third thing as an athlete who is the best, what would the best athlete do for me? That's Ben Bergeron, who is a CrossFit coach. He coaches the, the strongest people on the planet, the, the winners of the CrossFit challenges. And, um, and he is for me, the example, how to be a coach to, to any high performer, being it a CEO, being it an entrepreneur, being it a top athlete. He's my model for that, Ben Bergeron. Mm, very, I really like your clarity. It, look, Simon, today it's been an absolute pleasure speaking with you. Uh, really insightful, loved uh, sort of understanding your mindset from when you were quite young and, and how you dove into the world of kind of entrepreneurship and looked at how can we speed up the processes? How can we ensure that things are a lot more automated, how people can be have their finger on the pulse, so to speak, to ensure that their business is thriving and growing um, in real time versus finding out you know, months later or quarters later around whether what they're doing is actually working or not. And that ability to be there front and center. And I loved how you connected it in with your world of triathlon where you know, you, you're able to get real-time data as you are training and competing and you've got a coach who's able to analyze it. So why don't people do this more often in the business world? You know, if you want to be successful, if you want to be high performing, then you've got to make sure you understand the business, not just big picture, but what's actually happening in the detail from a day-to-day business. Uh, and then, you know, even looking at your curiosity around blockchain and new technologies and, and where things are going, I, I love that aspect. You know, you challenge yourself outside the square and it's a real good example for people. So thank you very much for sharing your insights and all the best with the new book. I'm really excited to get a copy of that myself and, and have a read um, you know, and, and have a successful 2022. Thank you so much. And the templates that I have shared with you, people can download them on strategiesprints.com. They are open source. And if they have any question, I'm happy to answer them. Fantastic. Well, we'll make sure we get those in the show notes. Uh, So thank you very much for your time today. Thank you. Keep rolling, everybody. It's time for you to join the Inspiring Great Leaders Movement by visiting craigjohns.com.au. Share this podcast on LinkedIn and be sure to hashtag inspiring great leaders. We would love it if you could leave a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Drop us a line with your feedback and questions and connect with us on the Craig Johns LinkedIn, Facebook and Instagram pages. Be sure to check out the next inspiring great leaders podcast where the ordinary don't belong.